This morning, Rick is teaching us from Luke 7, 36 through 39. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Good morning. Um, this is a really cool story, and um, Kelly just read part of it. Uh, I'll, I'll keep going. Um, but before I do, let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Um, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity you've given to us to, to engage with your word and engage with you in worship, Father. Thank you for what you've done. Um, God, and Lord, I pray, I pray this all the time to you. Uh, thank you for another day for us to gather together as a church. Um, Lord, I pray, um, I am, I'm really grateful that you've given us a, another day to, to be together as a, as a church, Lord. And I pray that the words that we read and consider and think about this morning are um, uh, of, of depth to us, Lord Jesus, um, and bring us into your presence with the, the greatness of, of who you are and, and how much you love us in your gospel. Thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen. So, uh, gospel-shaped mission, that's the heart of, of where we are. And um, again, as I, as I kind of tried to point out several times last week, this, um, this concept, this idea of uh, gospel, the gospel shaping our mission can, can lead us to a place where we're thinking about our mission and forget that the gospel is also for us. And so I want to be careful and cautious uh, for us at the beginning to, that we might understand that the gospel is not just our mission, but it also is part of, of who we are and it, we're affected by the gospel. Um, so I want to bring out uh, verse by verse for the first few verses and then kind of see a, a big picture of the story that Jesus tells. But So let's start in, in verse 36. It says this, um, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house. Um, two things here. First, Jesus engages with religious people. I want you to see that Jesus engages with the religious people. And many times in this context, in this setting, especially from, from my mouth, comes this idea that uh, religious people aren't people that uh, Jesus is drawn to. Jesus is actually typically attacking religious people. But here... Um, and the second point there is on the screen. Jesus engages with people who engage with him. The Pharisee, this religious person, sought Jesus out and said, come eat with me. And Jesus' response was to go and eat with him. And I, like, it seems like a simple, nothing throwaway statement in this verse at the beginning of a really cool story. But I don't want you to throw it away because Jesus engages with people who engage with him. And Jesus says yes to people who ask him questions. 
Will you come to my house and eat? And Jesus says yes, and he goes to his house and eat and eat. So I want you to see that and, and that, that Christ is engaging with people who engage with him. And so, so twofold. One is engage with Jesus and he will engage with you. And then secondly is God is calling us to be on mission the way that Christ was on mission. And part of our mission is to engage with people who are engaging with us. Um, don't miss that. Second verse, verse 37, And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. The second thought, Jesus engages with sinful people. Um, when I was a, a young little boy at a, a typical church, I would have been afraid of this verse. Sinners were not people to engage with. Sinners were people to, to run away from. Um, I can remember, this is, a, this is a funny story. There were some kids, some older kids up the street from me that lived uh, near us, and, and they were bad kids. <clears throat> I say that with tongue in cheek. They were bad kids. And they were smoking. And... Uh, I was, I don't know, probably eight or nine years old, and I went up to them and said, hey, can I have a cigarette? And they said, sure, and they gave me a cigarette, and I threw it on the ground, and I stomped on it, and I ran away <laughs> and said, Jesus doesn't want people to smoke. Because I thought it was sinful. I thought it was terrible. Um, and I thought I was doing the work of the Lord. Um, as you get past... Uh, the good little boy, Ricky, and laughing at me from, as, a, as an eight-year-old, I want you to see that Christ engages with sinful people. And Christ engages with people who engage with him. Let's talk about this woman for a second. We don't know her sin. We only know that she is a sinner. Later on in the story, it's scandalous that Jesus allows her to touch his feet Jesus allows her to touch his feet with her hands and her hair. And she was wiping her, her feet with her tears. So she, it's likely that her face was down by her feet and maybe even rubbing her, her face on his feet. And it was scandalous that that was happening. So there's a likelihood that this woman's sin, it, first of all, it's renowned around the, the community that she is a sinner. But because it's scandalous about what she was doing, it's probably that she was uh, a sinner of, of a sexual nature. And here she is doing some rather intimate things to the feet of Christ. And a scandalous. So, and, and also, if, if she were to have an alabaster flask of ointment, she probably had a little bit of money. So she's probably a prostitute. Um, and probably a pretty well-known prostitute. Um, and Jesus allows her to rather intimately engage with his feet. Um, and I want you to <clears throat> I want you to see two things about that is one from a gospel-shaped mission perspective is that we're not to be repelled by sinful people because we're all sinful people. But but secondly, and probably more importantly, to meet you where you are, so wherever you are on the spectrum of, of your own sin, Jesus is not afraid of it. And he wants to engage you where you are. 
Go to that next slide, Mia, verse 38. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them away with a hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Um, this, is, uh, this is really profound. Uh, and you've, the likelihood is you've heard the story before. Um, but I, I, I don't want you to, to miss the beauty of this moment. Jesus is not just chilling it at somebody's house. They're in the middle of a meal. And the way that they would have lined up, like they're, they're reclining at the table. So like they're sitting, if this was a table, they'd be sitting on the ground like this, leaning over to eat but with their feet this way, out. And so she's like engaging him in, in kind of a face-to-face way. And everyone in the room is aware of, of this sort of engagement. And it's like, get this picture. This is a likely a, 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 a well-known prostitute in the area coming into a religious guy's house, uninvited, and she begins to cry and weep and kneel down at his feet and rub her face and her hair on his feet and then begin to rub ointment on his feet. And she's crying. Um, we don't know the motivation for her tears. The text doesn't tell us why. Um, but I think the, tear ha- the tears have several reasons. Um, and I-, I want you to have kind of the, the freedom to see these reasons. And I want you to-, to engage with these reasons as you engage with Christ. Um, I think these are tears of, of thankfulness. I think these are tears of, of reverence. And I think these are tears of repentance. Um, because when we see and engage with the gospel, this, it, these, are the, these are the things that, that come from us. We're, we're thankful. Like, this, imagine this woman, like get in her shoes. Like she is a deeply sinful person whose society has said you are deeply sinful and you're not allowed to be in this house let alone you're not allowed to engage with Christ. But here's Jesus allowing this to happen, a scandalous woman to do a scandalous thing of worship to him. And so there's there's just thankfulness and there's this reverence of, of you are, there's something different about you that causes me to revere you, to think you're better than what this world offers. Um, and by the way, that's kind of what that word reverence means and why if, if you've ever called me reverend, I've probably corrected you. Um, and be, because like reverend is reserved for Christ, um, not for any human being. And I want, I, like I don't say that to, so that you'll never call me reverend again. I, I say that to, to infuse this idea into, the, into this scene where, where this scandalously sinful woman is doing a scandalous thing to Christ out of reverence because you, there's something different about you that makes me want to engage with you in this way. And then I think there's also this piece of, 
of repentance as well. Like, I know the depth of my sin, um, and I know the, the beauty of your forgiveness and acceptance of me. So um, the, the gospel here has created thankfulness, reverence, and repentance in this woman, which has created her tears. And I want you to, to see that the, the response to an encounter with the gospel produces these things. And so here's, here's the, where we transition to what it does to us, to how it sends us. The gospel sends us with these things. When we engage with the gospel, we're, we're receiving thankfulness, we're receiving reverence, and, and we're beginning to repent of our sins. And, and if we truly are doing those things, like living thankfully, living reverently, and living repentantly, we're sent with those things. So the gospel always, every time we engage with the gospel, every time, it affects the inner part of us, and then it sends us with the things that it's affected us with. So if we really and truly understand the gospel and this, this triangular movement of the gospel, like imposing the gospel on the culture, we can't help but do that. You don't need me. If you understand the gospel, you don't need me to tell you that you've been called to inject that into your world. You don't need that from me. But maybe we need to be reminded that this is what the gospel does. It creates thankfulness. It creates reverence. It creates repentance in us. And then that's how we engage every relationship, every person in our world. So, like, it, it changes when we truly understand the gospel. And this is a, a beautiful and simple illustration here in the story of someone understanding the gospel. It creates this inside of us, and if it's created inside of us, it sends us with that. So as you parent, as you friend, as you be a, a member of this church, as you, as you work, as you, the neighborhood you're living in, all of these things, because Christ has done these for you, we are to engage them in our world. The gospel creates these things in you, and the gospel sends you with these things. Hit the next one, Mia. Go to the next verse, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. It's precisely because he is a prophet that he allows this to happen. If this guy were who he says he is, then he would not be engaging with these sinners. No, because he is a prophet, he's engaging with this sinner. The gospel is always sending us. Um, <clears throat> and I, I want, like, this verse is just incredible. Now the Pharisee who had invited him said this, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is. Do you see like the, the nonsense of this? Like this is exactly who Jesus needs to be engaging with, a sinful woman that has a repentant heart. And, and the beauty of this is the person who receives from Christ in this setting is the one not just the sinner, because they're both sinners, but the one who sees Jesus rightly. In order to see the gospel, we have to see 
Jesus correctly. The Pharisee doesn't see Jesus correctly. The, the sinner does. Then Jesus tells this story to illustrate forgiveness. Um, and it's, it's fascinating here too that look at verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this is not a, like a verbal outward thing that the table heard. He said to himself, but Jesus knows what's happening in the heart of this guy and he presents the story to him. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon, by the way, this is this not Peter here in verse 43. It's the, the Pharisee that were, that, whose house Jesus is at. His name is Simon. Simon answered him, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled a larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. That's deeply scandalous. Me, hit that next slide. That's the verses that I'm reading. Uh, she is deeply scandalous to kiss his feet. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, which was a tradition in this culture. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. Like, imagine this story. Imagine being Simon the Pharisee here, being totally called out by Jesus. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. You gave me no oil. But she's done all of those things. And she's done all of those things because she sees me correctly and she understands her own sin. She understands that I am her Savior. Then verse 48. Mia, hit that next one. And again. One more. He says to her, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus, it's, there's more people than are at the table, but the only people that are named are the sinner and Simon the Pharisee. And he confronts the Pharisee, and everybody in the room knows that he's confronting this Pharisee. And then he turns to the, the person in the margins, the, the person that the rest of the people in the room would have thought was of no value and worthless. He turns to her, and he says, your sins are forgiven, which was deeply scandalous because a man doesn't have the authority to forgive sin. But here's, here's the cool part that I, I want, want you to forget about mission for a second and understand the gospel as impacting directly to you with this verse, this word. Your sins are forgiven. This word forgiven means to send away. It, um, in Scripture, when it's talking about divorce and 
a, a husband will send his wife away, that's the same word, <clears throat> the same root of the word. I want you I want you to see this, but more than that, I want you to be overwhelmed by this. Jesus, to this sinful woman in a room full of religious people who don't like him, who don't think he has the ability to forgive sins, tells this woman, I have sent your sins away. Like, they're not with you anymore. They're someplace else. And I want you to see that when Jesus looks upon you and, and he proclaims you to be forgiven, you are forgiven, but your sins are sent away. You guys, your sins are, are sent away. When you rest in them and bathe in your sin and let them sit with you, you're denying the power of the gospel. You're denying the words of Christ. He sent your sins away. He sent them away. Think like, let your mind go to, to, to something that, that you've sent away. One, it breaks my, my, my daughter Hannah Grace is in Columbia right now, hopefully getting ready to go to church. But she's in Columbia right now. In, like last August, we, we sent her away. She's, she and, and like I would go downstairs every night and, and turn the, put the dog in her kennel and turn the lights out in the basement. And Hannah Grace's room was in a basement and, and she's not in there. And it would break my heart. And I'm like starting to like emotionally tear up right now. It would break my heart to think that she's not in there anymore because she was sent away to college. But understand, that's your sin. They're not in there anymore. You guys, they're not in there anymore. It's beautiful. You, your sin, and, and understand not just that your sins have been sent away, but Christ, Christ is here in a room full of religious people who don't agree with the way he's doing things, turns to this wretchedly scandalous sinful woman who's in the middle of doing something deeply scandalous and says your sins are gone. The gospel is incredible. Then verse 49 and 50. Then those who were at the table began to say among themselves, who is this that, that sends sins away? They didn't see him the way he's supposed to be seen. And he totally ignores them. Here's a tip. Just ignore these stupid people who say stupid things to you like this. Who is this Jesus that he forgives sins? What did Jesus do in this moment when they asked him this ridiculous question? He started talking to the woman again. He started talking to the scandalous person doing a scandalous thing in this religious home. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Faith is what saves you. And, and faith is not just a, a deeper way to say trust. 
There's, there's, there's trust in faith, but there's also surrender in faith. I bet my life on this trust. This is faith. Jesus says to this woman, your faith has saved you. And what this act that she's done is a very surrendering thing. She, like the Pharisee, tried to tell her she was wrong. Then they tried to tell Jesus he was wrong. This is a very surrendered moment. It is, if, if she's wrong, it's going to be deeply costly for her. This is faith. But more than that, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And when Jesus says peace, it's the Greek word irene. And it's the tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation. Go with this tranquil state of soul confident that I am exactly who you proclaimed me to be. This is the gospel. Go with that. Because your sins have been sent away, go with this peace. Um, I think I want to be done. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the, the beautiful thought of this interaction that Christ had. <clears throat> Lord, and I pray that in, in these moments of response, Father, um, that you would engage with us and allow us to, to see this beautiful act.